1: Welcome to Nothing Impossible on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Welcome, welcome to our show about uh, local innovation. We look at the uh, futuristic way of thinking about things in St. Louis and help you understand the world around you a little better. And so we've got some fantastic news, Michael and Travis, with you today from the Venture Capital Arena. And also there's been a lot of change when it comes to grocery stores, some getting sold, some new ones opening, local chains expanding. We've got a lot to get to today.
2: Yeah, it's really cool to think about uh, some of our local startups growing and expanding. Uh, We're going to talk about one that's in the agriculture space. We'll talk about another one that's in the pharmacology uh, and the drug discovery space, Uh, both doing important work, raising big money from outside the area to continue to grow. Yes, record-breaking. And 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 Google's one of the uh, investors in one of those two companies, too. It's the first time that Google Ventures has put money into a St. Louis company. Pretty exciting. And this is some of the stuff
1: that we've been waiting for when we tell you about these Companies that start in St. Louis and it's when these big venture capital dollars come into play that they get to really expand and for instance, this company that does uh, treatment for a side effect that cancer patients experience that can be really debilitating. It's horrible. They're getting ready to go to market and this could be a game changing drug and
2: the biggest investment in a St. Louis biotech company in history and what's what's really amazing is sometimes when these venture capitalists put money in they ask the company to leave right move to where the the VC might be one of the coasts uh but we have the assets here uh either on the pharma side or the ag side, where the uh, venture capitalists are saying, no, grow here, scale here in St. Louis. And then after that, we're going to get into Schnucks and Shop and
1: Save and talk with one of the preeminent retail analysts about what this means for you as you go out and buy your bread and everything else you throw in the grocery cart, and then also an expansion on a smaller scale. Literally, these stores are pretty small, but they're
2: also pretty convenient, and that's part of the key. Trying to address the food desert that we have in the region, which is... You can walk for miles and miles and not get food. So we'll talk with Chris Goodson of
1: Fields Foods. That's all coming up as we continue on Nothing Impossible. Stay tuned. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on Kangam OX. Welcome back, Michael and Travis with you. And it's been a big uh, couple of weeks for St.
2: Louis when it comes to venture capital and Recognition of the biotech scene here. I know everybody's looking forward to like postseason baseball and and wondering what's happening with the Cardinals. Uh, but this is not a sports talk radio show. We are talking about like the big home runs and the wins that we're getting in our startup scene, specifically things that are happening in the ag tech space and the biotech or medical uh, human health space. Nice analogy. Well, let's bring in two of the uh, cornerstone
1: players, I suppose. Uh, a couple of managers here. We've got Don <laughs> Rubin and Eric Gulvey from BioSTL and BioGenera thank you both for coming in thanks for having us yeah, let's great. see how many baseball analogies yeah. we okay, can I, fit I, in well here I've
2: got, I've got another one to really set up uh, Eric uh, so Eric Golvey uh, is the CEO and runs BioGenerator uh, which I would consider our hit our leadoff hitters for mm. our early stage companies because they get early first and help them make some traction but tell us a little bit without baseball analogies what is <laughs> BioGenerator tell us a little bit about that
3: Yeah, so um, what we do is we help build new biotech companies here in St. Louis and provide the very early stage risk funding. So we're here to basically help support our companies until they get to the point where they're mature enough to raise major venture financing. So in the biotech space, most of what these companies do is extremely expensive. Ultimately, their products are going to have to be approved by the FDA, for example, new drugs, new diagnostics. That's an extremely – lengthy and expensive process. And so someone has to come in willing to take the big risk early on to help support companies to get to the point where venture investors are ready to take them on.
2: And what do you do throughout this process as you are looking for these these new startups, these biotech startups? Uh, how do they get engaged and what benefits do they get from Biogenerator?
3: Yeah, so we provide not only that investment capital, but we have a whole suite of programs to help support them that we've implemented over the years as we realize what are some of the uh, issues that make it harder for biotechs to gain traction here in town. So it's not just our capital, it's the advice, it's access to our professional networks to help them find talent. It might be a CEO, it might be a, a financial person, it might be a bench level scientist to which we might have some good connections. Lab facility to de- to reduce the uh, barrier for companies to be able to get up and running and produce lab experiments. We have access to other talent. We have an entrepreneur in residence program where we recruit highly experienced people here that can work with startup companies here in the region or build new companies for us.
1: Two of the portfolio companies for Biogenerator, it's been a fantastic two weeks for them. Yeah. First of all, introduce us to uh, last
0: week the news was about Benson Hill Biosystems. Great announcements in the last two weeks. One from an agriculture technology company and one from a human health company, which is important to note because these are two great strengths that we have in St. Louis, plant and agricultural sciences and medicine, healthcare, human health, really competitive advantages that we have in St. Louis. And that's what BioSTL was built up around 18 years ago, was recognizing those strengths and that there were these brilliant people with great ideas, but there just wasn't an infrastructure in St. Louis to help these folks be successful in St. Louis. They would take their ideas. To Boston, to California. Now we have an ecosystem. We have an infrastructure. We have all the pieces in place. We've got all the coaches, the managers, the field, the 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 all the things that help uh, build a strong team and build a strong company. And what we've seen in the last two weeks uh, are are two of the greatest examples over the the years we've been in existence uh, of of, of uh, really hitting home runs. And uh, the company, the first company you asked about is called Benson Hill. It's in the agricultural space. And it raised uh, $60 million with some really tremendous um, votes of confidence from names like Google Ventures that we've never seen invest in St. Louis before.
2: This is their first investment in a St. Louis company, is that that's correct? That's correct. That we Absolutely. know it? Yeah. 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 Oh, wow, that's yeah. great.
0: Yeah. And, and in fact, if you look across the biogenerator portfolio of companies, which is now over 70 companies, There are over 160, I think 170 distinct venture capital funds from around the country and beyond that have invested in these St. Louis-based deals. These are blue-chip investors that really a decade ago never heard of St. Louis before. They were never... Come to St. Louis, they, they they thought of St. Louis as flyover country between the coasts. And now we're seeing St. Louis become fly-to country, and we're really proud of that.
3: And in the case of Benson Hill, it started with some tremendous talent. It started with research investigators at the Donald Danforth Plant Science Center, amongst them Todd Mockler, fantastic researcher, a wonderful world-class reputation, combining with a venture capitalist Matt Crisp. So at the beginning of that company, you had the financial person with an investment background combined with a top-notch scientist. But even then, they were starting from scratch with a very, very big idea, an idea that others had tried before that was considered very, very risky. So despite the fact that they started with a fantastic underpinning, it's really tough to raise that first money to basically be able to do the first experiments and prove that your hypothesis really has merit from a commercial perspective. And so that's why an organization like Biogenerator exists, to help provide that early capital, to help identify other groups that want to come into these early rounds, provide enough capital that the company can meet some milestones that will attract other people to come in. And you do that sequentially. So you you make some progress. You um, can attract sort of an earlier syndicate of uh, professional investors uh, hit some more milestones, and then you can attract even later stage investors. We see that in the case of Benson Hill, and we see that in the case of the other company with a huge news this week, Galera.
2: And and as it relates to you know, Benson Hill and hitting their milestones, I mean, it's a startup, so it's never easy for an early stage company. And uh, I remember hearing in, in part of this uh, announcement about Benson Hill that there were a couple of times where they may not have made payroll, but uh, BioGenerator helped get them through that gap. Can you talk a little bit about that and why having access to these sorts of resources are so important for an early stage company?
3: Yeah, I mean, early stage companies are um, often living hand to mouth. They're, They're spending every penny that they raise in order to try to hit important milestones. And often there's a mismatch between the two takes a little more money to get to the point where you can then go out and um, successfully raise your next round, and sometimes you get to the point of a mismatch. In the case of Benson Hill, they were on the verge of a very major deal with a strategic that was going to pay them to do research for that strategic, but they were going to run out of money before they could actually get that contract signed, mm. and that's when we stepped in on two different occasions to help them meet payroll to keep them going Um It wasn't a lot of money at that point in time, but it was an an important infusion of capital when they really needed it.
1: And after the Benson Hill deal, I saw a series of articles saying there's no city or market that's really cornered ag tech, but St. Louis is the city that's going to is is on the path to do it, especially after this deal. So that sparked this narrative that seems like it's spreading across the agriculture world now.
0: Yeah, and we have seen the reputation of St. Louis really become cemented uh, when it comes to a center of agriculture technology and plant science, uh, both because of the startups, because of the corporate presence of Monsanto, now Bayer, uh, and other companies, and uh, uh, the the expertise that exists in St. Louis from a research perspective, a commercial perspective, uh, and and the proximity to farmers – Uh, And the farming groups is really important as well. So we've been able not only to see companies grow up in St. Louis, but international companies come to St. Louis to put their U.S. headquarters in St. Louis as the leading place in the plant science world. And uh, we have some competition. One thinks of North Carolina, parts of California – uh, we still like to think that we're number one in the U.S., and we think that we're pulling further and further ahead with announcements like we just saw this week with Benson Hill.
3: Well,
2: and, North Carolina is nice, but I remember uh, Matt Crisp, uh, the CEO yeah. of Benson Hill, spent some time in Research Triangle Park in North Carolina. Uh, he had a choice of where he wanted to locate his company, and he chose St. Louis. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So. Bayer had a choice, too. <laughs> Bayer Their incumbent <laughs> facilities were in North Carolina. They said, no, we're going to stick with uh, – St.
3: Louis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They see what Mon- the the research engine that Monsanto has produced, and they realize there's tremendous talent experience here to do that. Likewise, Matt lives in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. He made the choice, though, coming out of the RTP area, which was known as the epicenter at the time for agricultural research uh, for startups. That St. Louis actually had gotten to the point where we had more to offer a startup company than RTP did.
1: Well, Eric, take us through the other big news. Uh, the even bigger news, if you're just looking at straight numbers, Galera Therapeutics. You brought us through how Benson Hill grew up from Danforth Center all the way up. How did Galera start? What do they do? And and this is some real groundbreaking. I think the FDA has classified it as breakthrough status for cancer patients who are taking radiation treatments.
3: Yeah, exactly. So Galera is developing therapeutics uh, for the first clinical indication that they're working on is to reduce the incidence of ulceration and sores that occur in in patients that are receiving radiation therapy to treat their cancer. So radiation therapy is used in about 50% of all cancer patients as a means to kill the cancerous cells. The problem is is that radiation isn't exclusive to hitting the cancer cells. It hits normal healthy cells. In the case of someone with head and neck cancer, as you're shooting that beam into someone's mouth or down their throat, you're touching a lot of normal tissue, and it causes these sores that makes it very difficult for patients to eat solid food, to drink. They can get infections. So it limits your ability to deliver effective therapy in these patients. Um, Galera is an example that really highlights the long history in St. Louis of strength in drug discovery. So we've had companies here, legacy companies, G.D. Searle, which uh, merged and became Pharmacia, which was acquired by Pfizer. Over a period of many years, we had uh, deep strength in early stage uh, work to discover new medicines. And when Pfizer let go, a lot of people in the small molecule area uh, who were working on these new drugs, we had an infusion of talent coming out into the region. Uh, Galera had a number of people who had expertise in that area, and they actually realized that there were some drugs that were, had been developed in the past. For other clinical uses that had been put into patients, they were safe in those patients, but they didn't work to to treat the disease. And they recognized that radiation therapy was an area where those compounds would probably be best suited. And so they were able to acquire those assets and try to restart a company and move those molecules quickly into the clinic. So when they decided to do that, they came to us. We saw the opportunity. I happen to have a background uh, in the pharma industry, as does my colleague, Charlie Bolton. We recognized the opportunity to use these compounds in that particular disease setting. And so we put together a syndicate of early stage investors that provided that first financing that led the company to be able to generate the results that were that enabled them to go out and pitch to venture investors. Their path to go from initial financing, to their first venture investment was shorter than Benson Hill because they were starting with things that were later stage, but the potential impact of that is huge. They went out and raised uh, $21 million in a Series A. They raised $42 million more in a Series B, hearkening back to the fact that clinical trials are very expensive, but they completed a Phase 2A study that was very positive. Then they completed a Phase 2B study in patients that had these ulcerations, very exciting results that led to them being able to to put together this 150 million dollar round with new investors as well as their prior investors that's going to help them fund the entire phase 3 clinical study they'll get to the end to the goal line and know whether or not those drugs work in these patients It'll help them fund the submission to the FDA to try to get this approved as a new drug. So this financing is really important to help this company get over the goal line. And it could be tremendously important to patients. There are no good drugs to treat this problem in patients getting radiation therapy. And it's debilitating. And it's debilitating. So what happens is if you get severe ulcerations, these sores, the doctors often will have to pause your therapy. Mm -hmm. For every week that you have to go off therapy, your outcome gets worse. Hmm. So your ability to treat that cancer gets worse. When and a lot every of times these, have to these ulcers therapy. can
1: be so bad, people can't eat or drink even.
3: A- absolutely. Absolutely. They might have to get a feeding tube. Um, there are some patients who never recover, don't get off the feeding tube. So it's not as widely recognized out in the population. But any, if you talk to anyone who's had cancer and gotten radiation therapy, they know how difficult those side effects are. But radiation therapy is effective. So we can't stop radiation therapy So Galera is trying to develop something that will make radiation therapy less toxic and retain all the Mm -hmm. efficacy of radiation therapy.
1: What's next, Don? A new building in Cortex. You're hoping for some luck of the iris this
0: week. What's on your plate? Well, we've talked about Global STL before on this show, our international uh, recruitment initiative. Um, In June of this year, we had our second annual Global STL uh, Health Innovation Summit, Uh, where we had 14 companies uh, from Israel, Ireland, England, and the Netherlands this time. Um, And uh, because these companies are chosen very proactively with the help of the big St. Louis partners, Express Scripts, Centene, BJC, Mercy, Slough Care, Ascension, the the organizations in St. Louis that are looking for cutting-edge innovation, uh, We knew that there was a high likelihood that coming out of that summit where these startups from overseas were chosen because they have innovations that can solve problems that our St. Louis organizations are facing, a high likelihood that real partnerships would come out of that. And indeed, what we're seeing now is these Irish companies, these Israeli companies are spending a lot of time now in St. Louis uh, negotiating deals, uh, looking at joint R&D projects, revenue deals, pilot sites. Um, And we expect to have some announcements coming out of that in the near future from some of these overseas companies. So we have had a big
2: week with Benson Hill, big week uh, this week with Galera. We've used some baseball analogies. We should also point out that the Memphis Redbirds, our very own AAA affiliate of the Cardinals, won the uh, AAA National Championship. So uh, on both fronts, either on the baseball <laughs> front or on the, uh, the farm team that we're, where we're building our next batch of co- uh, companies? We're hitting a lot of home runs and doing a lot of winning
1: here. Eric Govey of BioGenerator and Don Rubin from BioSTL, thank you for joining us. Thank you so thank much you. for having us. Yeah. Grocery Wars up next on Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on
2: KMOX. All right, we're continuing with some grocery wars now. Michael had a chance to sit down and talk to Bert Flickinger, a strategic resource group, one of the preeminent retail analysts, here to talk about uh, the development between Schnucks buying 19 shop-and-saves. What's the reason for this? Are there going to be
1: any antitrust issues, perhaps, like National in the 90s with uh, Schnucks, or do you think this will be
4: straightforward for them? Uh, Ultimately, the National acquisition was... Uh, good for St. Louis uh, Metro. Uh, very consumer positive. Uh, lower lower prices. Uh, still a lot of competition because of the times. Schnucks bought National. Uh, Walmart was saturating the market with Walmart Supercenters, uh, Sam's Club, and and. Uh, Target Target was adding food, and in in this case, uh, Schnucks uh, in in buying uh, the the uh, uh, Shop and Save stores in St. Louis. Full disclosure: I and our strategic resource group team uh, worked with uh, Blackwell's, uh, the activist, uh, to help uh, catalyze the sale uh, for, of corporate retail. Uh, uh, from SuperValue to other retailers. So in, a, in our analyses of all the uh, shop-and-save stores in St. Louis, uh, SuperValue had been very deficient in putting uh, almost no capital expenditures into the stores. Uh, SuperValue had not been uh, maintaining shop-and-save not good uh, maintenance standards. Not good uh, repair standards. So Shop and Save has a very, has very good uh, teams of uh, retail uh, people and associates and team members in the stores. And this is exactly what uh, the Shop and Save employees and team members were hoping for: was that Craig and Scott and Todd Schnook and family would buy Shop and Save, invest a significant amount of capital, that turn it around, uh, repair the stores, every every. Everything from uh, broken lights uh, to uh, cracked tiles and blown refrigerated and, and frozen cases, and with Walmart site saturating a market that's declining in population, and uh, Aldi already there, and and uh, Lidl and Winco coming around the corner, uh, there should not be antitrust issues. It's very pro-consumer, and that uh, Schnucks will use the combined procurement power to lower prices because in our uh, pricing studies of, of Shop and Save to help catalyze the sale, we found that Shop and Save was priced 12 to 20% higher uh, than Schnucks, higher than traditional uh, supermarket competition. Uh, so consumers, after the Schnucks purchase, should save. A family of five should save. 500 to 1,000 a year in our, our strategic resource group uh, analyses, and it uh, should really heat up the competition in the market. Good team members and the employees in the Shop and Save stores will finally be with a winning company uh, in retail and schnooks, which has always been a big winner for generations in St. Louis Metro uh, versus, versus Super Value uh, that tra- had treated Shop and Save like an orphaned stepchild for a decade and a half, and it was... Sad to see with so many good people in the stores uh, that the corp- corporate parent uh, in, in Minneapolis was was running the same same ads uh, that they had for their eight store chain serving uh, Norwegian Americans in North Dakota. Were running the same ad uh, for the United Nations of Consumers in St. Louis uh, from Spanish-speaking shoppers, Asian-American, African-American, Caucasian shoppers, and what people were buying in Fargo, North Dakota, had no consumer connection to what people uh, wanted and needed in St. Louis. So this this is an answer to everybody's hopes uh, that Schnucks is riding to the rescue and uh, to uh, take a shop-and-save um, chain that had been neglected uh, since, since before 2000 and uh, with schnook shop and save will go through the real uh, retail Renaissance uh, that consumers uh, and employees and, and and team members and suppliers have hoped for for decades
1: now I know that um, you know for instance I'd seen some things maybe Kroger will take a look at the whole you know cub foods to shop and save the whole division I had a lot of people who uh, friends and others who have lived elsewhere in the Midwest and had really been hoping that this would be hy entrance into the market. Why Schnucks and why not Kroger
0: or hy uh, K- uh,
4: Kro- Kroger has stepped aside from uh, making bricks and mortar acquisitions. Kroger, in fact, uh, clo- uh, shut down all its Kroger-bannered stores in uh, North Carolina big growth market a few, a few months ago and Kroger's uh shifting its capital to Ocado uh UK uh chain to take on Amazon and. in um home de- home delivery so, and then uh uh Kroger's also teamed up with Alibaba, uh, the internet leader in the People's Republic of China, mainland China. So as Kroger moves uh, more to online, uh, uh Schnucks is is able to capitalize is, is not just Shop and Save but uh Kroger's pa- uh, politely passed on acquisitions across the country and we analyzed uh Hy-Vee's uh uh, expansion from Iowa and Kansas City uh in into Minnesota. Hy-Vee is is chosen primarily uh to either build uh new stores uh with uh fuel and pharmacy as combination superstores or uh to convert a select number of of uh, uh, stores uh that that were abandoned uh by bankruptcy. So Kroger missed on this one uh, high high V, um, uh, will ultimately get to get to St. Louis but do it in a different way.
1: Now, with uh, the remaining 10 stores, and I'm looking at the list, these are some good locations, some upscale suburbs. I guess, though, like I'm looking at one and I can picture it, it's right across the street from a schnooks. So, what do you think happens to the 10 uh, shop and save locations that schnooks is not buying? Could that be? Uh, the opportunity for a high v for a slow entry, or do you think those just close
4: yeah, you're completely correct so uh, as as you synthesized well it's it's going to be Winco will take uh some of those ten stores high v uh likely will, uh Lidl, uh which which is uh, literally ran Walmart out of continental europe completely uh Lidl's coming in a look at those stores just like Lidl's uh buying abandoned uh, Pathmark uh, food and drug super stores uh, and converting them in Philadelphia uh, literally this week.
1: Now uh, I know you had said you had done some work for Super Value. Do you know that Hy-Vee is interested in in the St. Louis market and are you sure that they might be in, in the mix for these stores?
4: We've done extensive analyses um, uh, on our strategic resource group team of Hy-Vee's expansion strategy so nothing's a certainty. as, as you know well till the deal closes uh, but high has, V has very aggressive uh, plans. Uh, also, it's an ESOP employee uh, sh- uh, share- shareholder uh, stock plan, and uh, Winco is an ESOP, an employee-owned company. The employees are, are uh, reinvesting in expansion in both companies at, at record rates, and uh, also the shopping centers owners of those 10 stores, uh, given that super value, did not own any, any meaningful amount of real estate in shop and say the shopping center owners will sharpen their pencil realizing that they're better off with a food anchor, co-anchor, uh, in those shopping centers uh, that super value through Shop and Save uh, let let the customer accounts uh, decline by anywhere anywhere from 50 to uh, 70 si- percent since we went from the 1990s to today.
1: What kind of market share then is Schnucks going to wind up with after this in the market and you know, as Kroger, which has the scale almost of a Walmart and is is really getting into e-commerce and delivery and even direct from warehouse delivery, how does Schnucks, as a local privately held chain, keep up with just the amount of uh, investment in technology, the amount of coders, you know, that they'll have to have on staff to, to create these products of the future? Do you see a sustainable path forward uh, as an independent for Schnucks?
4: It, it is sustainable for uh, Schnucks because when uh, Schnucks had... Only seven Cecil stores in Memphis, Tennessee. Schnooks neither had the size nor the scale to compete against Walmart and Kroger, to your good points, in Memphis. Uh, but as uh, uh, Scott Todd and Craig Schnucks' father and grandfather both said to their credit, the food business is a local business schnooks is a local uh, leader uh, even more than Deerberg's uh, which is a uh, outstanding chain in, in the st louis market and uh, the uh, schnooks is very loyal uh, to uh, the, the uh, local uh, and regional fo- uh, food growers to food and beverage manufacturers and uh, very local uh, to philanthropic causes, Schnucks is uh, more generous philanthropically in the Greater St. Louis area than the Dayton family and, and Target Corporation is in, in Minnesota. Schnucks is the philanthropic leader, even even more than Wegmans or anybody across America, and that generates uh, tremendous multi-generational uh, loyalty of uh st louis uh shoppers and and uh consumers and businesses so with that size and scale uh schnooks is able to compete with anyone
1: does this uh do these numbers uh sound right to you the post dispatch says that schnooks incumbent now has thirty percent market share it would gain about ten percent more from shop and save putting them at forty percent in the market
4: uh those 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 are old numbers and and uh, re- uh re- really 15 to 20 year old uh market shares because they're not uh ca- fully counting uh food retail where where uh Sam's Club or Costco uh when those numbers were first generated uh Sam's Club or Costco 10% of their business uh which was in food retail between uh produce uh bakery meat uh dairy deli uh grocery seafood and frozen foods i talked to the evp of costco last week who said that over 70 percent of his businesses in food that competes directly with schnooks uh so so those uh mar- market share numbers um uh are a little older or tired because our our market shares are 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 literally uh with within uh 30, 30 days of of uh being analyzed and together and, and schnooks is uh, a lot closer to a 20 share
1: what would there what would it be then after the shop and save edition do you think uh,
4: with 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 shop and save schnooks schnooks would be between a uh, 21 5 and a 22 5 uh, fully loaded for uh, for for all of consumer uh, food retail uh, sales uh, through through uh, uh, various retailers selling food in the greater st louis market
1: okay so that's post. What was the number for for before for now?
4: Schnooks would would have been an 185 to a 19 and and um the Shop and Save stores a, a few percent on top of that. Okay, yeah,
1: you're right. If they once had 10% and now it's just adding 3 or 4%, that yeah. is a pretty big collapse on Shop and Save's part.
4: Yeah. Um and, and and it was collapsing by the month. Uh yeah, it it was Shop and Save was was suffering so badly. Under under super value management.
1: Well, Bert, anything else? Uh, you're the expert, So, anything I haven't asked about, anything that's important about this that the, we've missed?
4: I work with journalists uh, worldwide, from uh, New Zealand across North America and Asia and Arabia and, and Europe, and you've researched and and and, and know know the subject uh, better than anyone not just unique to schnooks but retail overall of anyone with whom i've spoken in years so uh well well, well done with your and your intercom uh, cbs team's research too
2: up next we're going to continue to talk about grocery stores but on a local and smaller scale stay tuned now back to nothing impossible on kangamo x
1: Welcome back, Michael and Travis. And so far this show, we've gone shopping for venture dollars. Hmm. We've gone shopping for new schnooks locations. And now we're going to go
2: shopping uh, for some urban grocery store stylings. And we're going to talk about uh, what these stores will look like and, you know, what is predominant, predominantly a food desert, uh, you know, downtown core of St. Louis has culinaria. Downtown West doesn't have too much uh, going on. Uh, but Fields Foods, a hyperlocal franchise slash brand, uh, is expanding to both Dogtown and Downtown West. Two neighborhoods which are highly
1: walkable. So these stores will fit in. We talked with Chris Goodson, the founder, owner of Fields Foods, about Downtown West and how it's kind of been a little far away from any nearby grocery store.
5: Oh, you're exactly right. And again, that fits our mission at Fields is to take food deserts that are that are food deserts now and turn them into former food deserts. And really what I mean by that is that, you know, it's areas that have been underserved that are starting to see that development occur. And really, it's not rock and science. You've got to get people there. And then you get the amenities. And then the next layer of people will come. And uh, I'm excited about it because you can kind of connect the dots of neighborhoods. You know, this is reaching out downtown west where there's a lot of exciting things on the horizon plus you're also reaching a little bit uh north to delmar on the near north side which has always been an area that's been underserved so we'll have the um the the apartments right above which kind of has that fun atmosphere of shopping in your pajamas <laughs> literally you can come right down the elevator and and come in and get your food but also we'll be able to serve the uh the neighborhoods surrounding it also
2: But I'm wondering how this compares to the brands that people know. We were talking about Schnucks. Fields isn't as well known. And how is this going to compare to what people are used to?
5: This is more of your true boutique type urban uh, grocery store. It's about 16,000 square feet. We'll have all the product uh, that everybody will want. You know, everything from uh, which is our main core, which is the healthy items. Uh, But you can also uh, have a glass of wine and craft beer while you shop and you can you know, given it's the Midwest, you can still get your Tetris and toasted to too. Uh, it'll have a cozy feel, but it's kind of what people want in an urban area. I mean, you're seeing this happen in Indianapolis and Nashville and Columbus. You're seeing residential and density, and then you need those amenities so people can have that lifestyle. And, um, you know, obviously I'm bullish on this city and I'm bullish on this area. You know, you've got some vacant blocks around here, but those are going to start filling up once – the density of the population comes, and the amenities are there to serve
1: them. Yeah, he's going to have to watch those vacant blocks fill up because uh, Fields Foods is, is always, it seems like, the first into these kinds of developments. And, for instance, folks downtown have wanted a Walgreens, but these big national chains uh, don't like to see those vacant lots. They like to see other stores that have come before and have a track record of success. And so how's it been being kind of the pioneer in some of these markets for Chris Goodson?
5: Well, no, you're exactly right, Michael. And it really is a simple formula. You've got to have those risk takers that come first. And I'll just use Lafayette Square and Suvar as an example because I know it well. You got to have the folks that usually it's the singles or the young families that will take the risk and move here. But for them to stay and for them to grow and for them to continue to recruit their friends to move to the city, you got to have the amenities. So you got to have the people first. That that first wave of risk takers. Then you got to have the mom and pop shops and the retailers that take the chance and come in that second wave, and then that third wave of people will say, "Yeah, stuff is here, items are here, I'm moving in here." And that's how it works, and then it just keeps growing and growing and growing exponentially. But you got to have you got to have those small businesses, and you got to have those uh, residents that are willing to take the risk, come and try it first, and and, uh, believe me, once you try city living, you won't go back.
1: So how many of these fields' foods does Goodson expect to build eventually?
5: Well, gosh, that's, a, that's always a reflective question, Michael. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur, and I, I enjoy uh, creating these in, in development pockets that are happening in the city, and, and especially being part of the resurgence in some of these core neighborhoods. Um, you know, it really depends on the neighborhoods that are growing. Um, obviously, this is our third store, but I could see us having, you know, uh, a half a dozen or so store, uh, half a dozen or so stores uh, in neighborhoods that are growing and uh, really seeing that renaissance happen. Uh, right now, you see it in the central corridor, but what's going to happen is the central corridor is be- going to become so dense that it'll it'll explode and pollinate the near north side and some of the areas in the south side that are underserved too.
2: Well, I you know we, we talk about that central corridor. There's so much development going on in the Grove with Chroma opening soon. Uh, I wonder if there's Fields Foods in the Grove is a natural next step. I mean the the neighborhood's walkable. There's density. Is that going to be? I next? see you taking the MetroLink different places. Taking Metro, taking without a taking scooter. your car. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
5: absolutely. So first of all, uh, the Coma Group and, and Green Street with uh, Bill Hall's great group, and they do they do an excellent product. And the Grove is the exact type of neighborhood that uh, I'm excited about. It's been through its blight and now it's seeing its resurgence and it's got a great walkability. So sure, you know, nothing's off the table and that, that's the perfect type of neighborhood that fits our model too. So I'm, I'm open to all options.
2: Now outlook for the city. Uh, what's the crystal ball look like?
5: It's exciting to be part of uh, new people coming to, to town and they have the amenities right on their doorstep. And it's also exciting to be part of uh, kind of continuing that growth westward and, and connect the dots uh, in the downtown west to midtown, and up north. So, uh, you know, obviously I'm bullish on the city and I'm a cheerleader. But it's exciting to be part of the the uh, revitalization that we're seeing now for sure.
2: It'll be great to see this all come to fruition. I mean, as a resident of the north of North St. Louis, it's still a food desert out there. I mean, how uh, close is this new uh, Fields Foods? I know it's technically downtown west, not old north, but is it close to you? Will it help? It will be close, but we have to also remember that Paul McKee's uh, grocery store, the Greenleaf Grocer, is going in somewhere right around t- Cass and 13th, which will be also very helpful to that neighborhood.
1: All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, you had been tweeting about, in the wake of the Schnooks deal, uh, the lack of options that so many people have uh, for fresh food, or in some cases any food within... Uh, a walking distance and for a lot of people that's how they get around they don't have a car to get around and so if there's not a grocery store they can walk to that's
2: that's an issue well and i know i think there i know there's a i think there's a shop and save somewhere right around grand and martin luther king or grand and page for now for now shop and save yeah i'm not i don't i don't think that is on the list of the ones that schnooks is is purchasing uh so that if that disappears that's going to be yet another uh you know Non-oasis in the food desert. Well, Chris Goodson,
1: you heard him describe himself as an entrepreneur, and he's opening up these fields' foods in the uh, already one in Lafayette Square, if you want to check it out, but coming soon to Dogtown in the basement or in the ground floor of a uh, of a, an apartment building, and then also coming to uh, downtown West. And from there, who knows? We'll have to stay tuned. And I, It'd be good to get some food all throughout the land. Hey, you know, we have talked about the metro market. That gets everywhere, doesn't it?
2: It really does. It's a grocery store on wheels. And if we do get food everywhere, we'll talk about it on this show, Nothing Impossible. Come back next week.
1: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch.